Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with uh, Dr. Dave Barker in uh, our studio here at Thinking About It. And uh, Dave, today we're thinking about um, something that's happening in our culture today, larger culture, North American culture, where it seems to be that there's, uh, at least in my lifetime, more polarization. Uh, there's more um, vitriol. Uh, things are just uh, on fire, it seems, issues. And uh, so it's it's... It's kind of my attention that there are <clears throat> voices um, that are are being heard in the church that would take us off of what our central theme is to be. What is the, the legitimate work of the church? And sometimes, uh, and you know this from the past, the churches have lost their center and they've they've taken on other things that were good, but but were not necessarily what our calling is. And so I'm feeling pressure. I think most of us are from our people, well-meaning as they are, that somehow uh, the church has to do something that we're not doing. We're to be more active. We're to let our voice be heard. We're to use the institution of the church to speak into our culture. And so I just think the question needs to be, what really is the business of the church? What has God called us to be and to do that we miss at our peril. How would you answer that question? Well, yeah, I think it's captured in one word, and it's called the gospel. Um, but that, but the gospel takes on. And I remember uh, Doctor Reed uh, talking about this uh, in a chapel one day, and I thought he articulated it very well. It kind of has a narrow focus and a broad focus, and so your narrow focus of the gospel is the call for repentance and, and conversion, for proclaiming, proclaiming the, the, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and inviting men and women and boys and girls to come to faith in Christ and being converted, repent, convert, uh, believe, and, and, and that kind of thing. So you've got that, and that's good news because it's, tra- it's moving people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, and that's wonderful mm-hmm. good news. But then there's a bit more of a shotgun. That's kind of a rifle shot. And, and more of a shotgun approach is that we're called to do good, to be good, to be, be voices of, uh, of goodness and care and, and grace uh, in our communities. And so, uh, you know, we've got this, we've what we call the creation mandate. And that, I think that's part of the, uh, of the gospel at the broader notion. And so... In the cultural mandate, I think there's a number of things we can think about, but for me, there are two huge areas. For me personally, this may, it may be different for others, but for me, uh, one is caring for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. Uh, James talks about the fact that that's true and undefiled religion is to care for the poor, the orphan. Would that be within the household of faith, or are you speaking about the welfare of the city? Well, I, I think both. I, you know, when the, when the prophets speak about this kind of thing, it tends to be within the household of faith, right? Caring for their own, caring for the poor, the orphan, the widow within themselves. But we also read the prophets who are speaking to uh, other nations mm-hmm. and right. judging them. I mean, you can't read through Amos 1 and 2 mm-hmm. without a notion that the prophets were concerned about justice and care for the vulnerable uh, among the Ammonites and mm-hmm. the and the uh, Moabites and the Syrians, so it, it's a both and thing. I don't I don't think it's one or the other. So yes, certainly we need to be caring for our own, 
but we also need to be uh, voices of care for uh, the poor, the orphan, and the widow in our larger context. But that's one kind of one area that I think for me is important. And the other is creation care. And I think that we are called to be good citizens of our world and environmentally sensitive, environmentally aware, and especially in our times of what seems to be a significant shift in climate for our children and grandchildren, I think that we have a role and a responsibility in, in, in that aspect. So I'm going to talk about, the, I would talk about the gospel in two, two domains, kind of the, the center of calling for conversion, belief in conversion, repentance, transfer from kingdom of darkness, to kingdom of God's your son, and then that broader uh, notion. So what would you say to someone who says, uh, I'll, I'll pick and choose what my focus will be? I'm going to be the kind of Christian who doesn't necessarily give a thought about calling people to conversion and repentance and that good news. I'm going to be all about uh, that other uh, yeah. focus that you had. And that, for me, that's the gospel, and I'm going to be faithful in that area. Can you, can you separate them that way? Well, I think there are some who have gifts, in stronger gifts than others in, in evangelism, if you like. Um, and yeah, I think there are those who are specifically gifted for that kind of thing. And we need to encourage that and, and to affirm those folks with that kind of gifting and encourage that kind of thing. But I would argue that we all need to be aware that there's a lost world out there that needs to know Christ. And whether we're active in that kind of evangelistic mm-hmm. approach or just simply living out the gospel and being willing to talk about it when God brings those providential points along. I, okay, I think about my wife, and she is anything but an aggressive, uh, you know, kind of knock on the door, go down the street evangelist. But she has a fabulous ministry of, of, of ministering to her grandkids, tell, reading them stories, talking to them about Jesus, you know, in reinforcing what the, mm-hmm. the kids' parents are mm-hmm. doing. And so, yeah, I wouldn't call her someone who is, uh, you know, focused on that na- more narrow view of the gospel, but she's certainly aware of it. And when opportunities come her way with her kids and grandkids, she is willing to, uh, and more than willing, she is happy to talk about what some of those things mean. So, Dave, when I think about uh, the churches where we have served, where I have served and currently do serve here at Grandview, to be honest, I give more thought to the the spiritual focus, bringing people into faith and teaching people how to live the Christian life. The way we're organized, the way we set up ministries, uh, the way we spend our resources, it's lion's share is all on that. And we have um, a few in our outreach ministry, a few things that we do in that category. But I would say that um, our focus is on making disciples. And those disciples, the institution of the church makes disciples, but those disciples, if properly taught, uh, will go into the world as salt and light without necessarily it being an institutional objective of the church, even though it is a little bit, but I think the best way that we can accomplish those things in our society is sending out lawyers and artists and teachers who are well-discipled so that they can give attention to that. Do you, do you think that's a little bit skewed? Should the church be more intentional about how it influences culture 
uh, even to the point of getting involved in politics with the view to changing some of the uh, frightening trajectories that we're on? Yeah. Uh, that's the question of our times, isn't yeah. it? Um, and uh, I, I think that there is, we need to maintain a distinction between church and state. I think that when we start getting involved as an institution in political realities, I think we confuse, we confuse those boundaries. Um, I, I don't think you should be standing up in the pulpit uh, telling your people who, what party to vote for. I, I perhaps wouldn't see an issue with you standing up and saying, okay, here is kind of a broad sweep of where we are in the political world, and, but then giving, leaving it up to a con- your congregation members to decide how they're going to vote in an election. Um, and I also do think that maybe we do need to focus a bit more on affecting culture, social justice, um, when it look again back to true religion and undefiled religion is to mm-hmm. care for the poor, the orphan, mm-hmm. and the widow, and and sometimes I think that you know I've said in class a number of times, the spirituality of a church may well be measured by how well we are dealing with that reality mm-hmm. inside and outside yeah. our church. And you and I were just at a golf tournament yesterday, yeah, Ray of Hope, and. Um, I'm a board member on, on that in that organization, and I know you your folks are involved in it, and that's fantastic. And it it proclaims that we are the hands and feet of the church, serving our community in the way that Ray of Hope does, and I think that's fantastic. And for Grandview or Benton or other uh, evangelical churches around our city yeah. to get behind Ray of Hope and allow that organization, which already has its feet on the ground. Mm-hmm organizationally, uh, even in terms of uh, uh, the political climate within our city um, and that kind of thing, get behind it and, and get involved and support it and actually put it on your budget and, and make part of your budget flow through that organization to yeah. impact our community. No, it's a, it's a great thing and it's all well organized. So you just come alongside and, and help out and we... We really appreciate that relationship we have with them. Yeah. So uh, who's going to call the nation? Who's the Amos today? Who, who, who goes to the Supreme Court and calls them out? And, uh, or who, who speaks against some of the um, wicked laws that are being passed in our country? Do I, as a preacher, have a role that Amos had? Like, who, do, who speaks to the, the kings and the princes of our age? Yeah. Well, maybe that's why we're part of a denomination, part of a movement. And yeah, I think obviously you as a pastor uh, can do so if you choose. Writing letters, communicating directly with our MP, uh, touching base at whatever level we can. But perhaps uh, someone like our Feb Central Director or our our Feb National Director, maybe they do have a place. Maybe they have a voice. Maybe they, because of their status in our movement, mm-hmm. um, they need to seek to be recognized yeah. by... Or the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. Uh, absolutely. And I am extremely supportive right. of that organization. But you know, they're, they're under the radar. Like, they're not Amos's. Like, Amos would go out there and he would just preach against uh, these injustices and call them out. I think maybe in the past there have been preachers who have done that. Um, but we don't see that today, and I'm just wondering, is that a tactic 
Are, should there should God ra- raise up a preacher, not necessarily an organization, but a preacher? I'm not offering to be that person, but <laughs> I, I'm just wondering if that would be okay in the big scheme of things. Sure, why not? If if God has gifted someone in that direction and they've got a sense of calling on on their life to do so, sure, why not? Um, you know, uh, it may not be where you and I are comfortable, but maybe some do. And uh, how effective that will be is still yet to be known or heard. How <laughs> the interesting thing is, how effective was Amos? Right. And uh, right. Uh, the Northern Kingdom still went into captivity. So did the Southern Kingdom eventually. So uh, while they were, uh, you know, very prophetic and calling people to repent and change and that kind of thing, uh, the Assyrians still showed up. So I, at the same time, that doesn't right. invalidate. They need to know a prophet has been in their midst. Yeah, absolutely. And so, sure, why not have a prophetic voice? Um, it's interesting because when, when Dr. Reed was in Ottawa, um, he was part of a group of pastors that would meet with, and I think he actually met with the prime minister back in that day. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they had breakfast or something like that. And so there was a venue that, that he could use. And the prime minister of that day was open to, to uh, listening to these uh, folks as they gathered with him. That's great. Good for that. Okay. Well, Dave, um, I think we're going to have to revisit this subject for next uh, podcast. We're going to have to wind it down right now. But I'd like to do that, if you've got the time, uh, to look at some of the theological underpinnings that help guide the church and help us to reflect on some of the movements today uh, that have arisen that are drawing some of our resources away from what might be the bullseye of the church into more of what we would call political activism so if we can just hold on and deal with that next week, I think that would be a great follow-up. Until then, I'm here with Dave Barker, Bob McGregor, signing off. Thanks for thinking about it with us. 